Along with Zach Manda, we are two seasoned radio professionals in Australia. And on this show, we're going to recap the greatest, laziest radio show in the history of broadcast communication week by week as the show itself was originally broadcast on a Saturday afternoon, 1 till 3 p.m. in London on XFM 104.9. I am talking about the Ricky Gervais show. Um, Now, Zach, I have been a devoted listener and re-listener and re-re-listener to these XFM shows for many, many years. But on you, on the other hand, have never, ever listened to them. Up until I spoke to you. Like a week ago, you were talking to me about how you had never found someone in radio who didn't love the Ricky Gervais show. And I said, well, I've never heard a single episode. And then my, my head exploded. But then I um, put it back together and said, uh, uh, no, really, you have not, never, ever, ever. But have you heard of them? I've heard of them. Actually, that's not true. I saw those, you know, they did those animated clips. Like I've seen one or two of like Carl's diary. And like I knew the general idea. Like I knew that they were around doing a podcast. Well, to be honest with you, I didn't actually know that they did a radio show. I thought it was a podcast. Well, that's the thing. I was. Go- I need to correct you. That is all stuff from the later podcast and audiobook series. Uh, this is the. This is before all of that stuff. Uh, the XFM radio show, which was a live show, and is is what led into Ricky Gervais being becoming like a, a podcast innovator because he was already doing this show and they wanted to reach a more global audience. Because um, that he was getting so much more famous around the world. Look so at you like, even talking about Ricky. I can I can hear the adoration in your voice. Podcast yeah. innovator, Ricky Gervais. Ricky Ricky in this era, nothing but like absolute <laughs> adoration and admiration. But um, are you going to be okay if I don't like it? I've, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. I think so. Because like, I feel I, like that I this is something have... that has a, a precious place in your heart and it i feel does. like if i listen to this radio show and i don't like it or i'm critical of it i feel like i might offend you <laughs> i'll be okay because i know i'm not alone because if you just look at any episode um which originally i downloaded all the mp3s from some website might have been pilkopedia uh there's a whole wikipedia just about Carl Pilkington and Ricky Gervais. Anyway, uh, but now they're all on YouTube, which is what we're going to be listening to them. But if you just look below, there are hundreds and hundreds of comments like this one from Prodigio Pete. Time for another go round. I hear you, Prodigio. Mark Williams, seven years of listening to these XFM shows on rotation. Not sure how I'm going to explain to a potential future partner that I have to listen to these shows in bed. And Alan Stott, Back on the merry-go-round, this must genuinely be my 30th time. So, I'm right up there. Like, they, these, these are people after my own heart. If I ever just need a comfort listen, um, I'll put on any one of these shows. And these people probably weren't fans when it went to air, I imagine. This no, is kind of a subculture anyone... that's come up later. Yeah, yeah. Subsequently, like, my access point was the, uh, the Podfather in I think 2006, which I think was like season four of the Ricky Gervais Show podcast. And then I just had this like insatiable uh, need to consume more of these shows. So I listened to all season one, all season two, all season three. But then they did, XFM released this two volume from the vault, uh, Ricky Gervais Show XFM shows like compilation. 
And that's where it opened my eyes because I had no idea that, that they had been doing this radio show. So I guess there's, there's going to be a bit of a dynamic of, you know, the fan and the novice here between us two. But also because we're radio announcers, we could probably shed a bit of light on the radio aspect of it as well. Yeah, and compare experiences, compare sort of what our understanding of radio is, which is a much more modern, I would say, more corporate uh understanding of how radio is supposed to happen i think place and time will come into it a bit but also country because we're in australia and australian and the uk radio have a lot of similarities but a lot of differences as well yeah i i i don't know this absolutely but i i am aware and i've been told and uh, that australian radio is much more like british radio than it is say american radio um but, uh, you know, the concept of the drive show apparently is uh, not as much of a, a thing overseas as it is here, Like the, which I think Hamish and Andy have a lot to speak for why that is a thing. But the, um, like the four till six radio show in, in England, there's a lot more um, solo hosted shows that go for four or five hours. There are breakfast shows that go from, um, from five till 10 a.m., um, but yeah, we'll definitely speak to those because so, you you were the co-host of Collective Noun, a national late night radio show on the Hit Network. Mm-hmm. Uh, just we have listened to a couple of these. We are starting on season one, episode one. What's your overall thoughts on the differences? What year was this? What year was two thousand and one? Okay, it does give me, uh, and maybe this is why people re-listen to them because they're calling back you know, with times and they're kind of referencing things in the news, even though I'm not from, you know, I'm not from England. And so a lot of these people, I don't really understand the references, but it, it does give me memories of listening to radio as a kid. It's a lot less thought out. It seems a lot more casual. Um, yeah. So it's kind of a throwback to when I was listening to radio as a kid and the radio I liked listening to as a kid. But it's totally foreign to what would happen today. There's there's a number of things that would never happen today. Uh, both jokes because of time and society certainly wouldn't be deemed to be okay today. But also, just like uh, the structure of the show, I just feel like things have become a lot more... or. Um, the processes are a lot more structured now. It just seems very loose. And I'm kind of listening going like, were they, did they, what What was the genesis of this show? Who was overlooking this show? Did they, what was the point? What were they trying to do? <laughs> no, there, no one was overlooking the show. Off the top of my head, this is the history as I understand it. And if anyone can add more or contradict me or point out something that I've got wrong, Get in touch. However, <laughs> we do that. Find us on Instagram or something. But Ricky Gervais... So, XFM started as a pirate radio station. And uh, Ricky Gervais was involved in that. And then when it became legit, he was brought on as the head of speech. And they... What, what, what role is that? Ex- I've never heard of that role, head of speech. Yeah. I guess maybe kind of like a content director. Yeah, right. You know, you're the head of whatever comes out of people's mouths. Well, similarly... What's, uh, you know, a panel operator, we would call it in Australia, the person who presses the buttons. Yeah. Isn't that called like a studio engineer or something in England? Is yeah. This, is this and England's a, a kind of pompous... Smaller difference, a board operator in um, in the US. Is, is this England's kind of like very prim and proper, posh English, whereas Australians speech. are a lot more, uh, well, where we have different roots? 
Yeah, I think that it probably is something something like that. If anyone knows, let, let us know. Get in touch. Um, we're, we're starting on Series 1, Episode 1, because that's the first episode with Carl in it. There is a Series 0 from um, before Carl was involved, before they made Series 1 of The Office, where it is just Ricky and Steve. And there are some other things out there where Ricky is appearing on other people's shows and they're making fun of him being the head of speech. And there's even an episode where Ricky tells the story of his first, you know, his first shift and he had some friends in the studio and he was drinking shandy and was really nervous and was so worried he was going to swear. So anyway, he was involved in in XFM at the ground floor, but then uh, he hired Steve Merchant as his assistant. He was like, oh, obviously this is too much work. I need an assistant. So Steve Merchant's resume apparently was top of the pile brought him in and they started doing a show together and then they started doing little bits for um, for, for other places and they that's, uh, you know, around the time Ricky got involved in the 11 o'clock show and XFM was bought by Capital Radio, a much bigger radio station, top 40 station, and they were told that they were let go. But they went off, they were getting busy with doing TV comedy stuff anyway. Then they went off and made the first series of The Office, which was not, you know, an overnight sensation, but it was, you know, a successful enough show that they were invited back to do a Saturday afternoon show. And when they came back, Ricky said, well, obviously I'm too big to run my own desk now. Get us someone in. So they grabbed this audio producer from the building, Carl Pilkington, to come in and uh, and run the desk for him. Thus was the beginnings of what went on to become uh, a, a global phenomenon. And it all started... On a, in a radio studio on a Saturday afternoon in London. Okay. The, um, it does sound like, a, you know, you asked me what my thoughts were listening to it. You know, you said the station was originally pirate radio. It does sound, we would call it community radio, you know, where people aren't getting paid. They're all volunteers. There is a certain vibe like that. But I don't know if that's just because things were less professional generally 20 years ago. Yeah. Uh, well, we may as well start talking about it. Uh, it. It is the Ricky Gervais Show, Series 1, Episode 1, broadcast date 10th of November 2001. First thing that jumps out at me about that is it was less than two months after the uh, after 9-11. Okay, wow. <laughs> Bet you didn't think I'd bring up 9-11. No, I was surprised that that came into it. Uh, as Australians talking about a British show, a British and show, you know, and then tying in a, a, a terrorist attack in the in the US. Well, look, I, I can I can bring up um, 9-11 in most conversations. You'll find. Uh, I'm sure that's uh, helpful in social settings. <laughs> so helpful. Uh, so one thing that jumps out early on as well is that this is obviously not the very first broadcast of them returning. Because did you hear that that they? Um, they mention that it's like a few weeks in because um, Ricky says uh, something along the lines, feeling like he's lost it and that it was good for the first few weeks. Well, even some of the, you know, later on in the in the podcast or the recording, the show, they reference stories that I haven't heard. Like, so, so I think, are I they think not the first complete... hour was cut off as well. Right, okay. I was, I was wondering if they were complete shows because, yeah, they'll talk about how good the first hour was and they'll recall all the anecdotes they shared. And I was like, is this a, is this a joke I'm missing? Like, <laughs> I'm like, I, I didn't hear those stories. That's not a bad joke to like, yeah, it's look good. back on you should, you amazing should, things that didn't actually happen. You should talk about all the superstars you had on, the yeah. great interviews you had. Because 
no one would really know if you're driving around in your car you'd be like man they they talked to bono earlier that's yeah. incredible yeah well much later in the run after they get uh after a certain awards night um they they talk amongst themselves about like okay we need bigger guests and we need to like be more like a proper radio show and they start just doing uh fake interviews and stuff so sort of along along the same lines um but yeah, no. Uh, so that that first hour that we don't hear about, Steve says the story about uh, the woman in clumping around in his shoes. I mean, I thought I tried hard early on with the anecdotes that yeah. embarrassed me, and which Carl just used as. Uh, well, I had, I had the funny, the funny bullshit T-shirt I had, and, sure. and the you know, I had the woman you know walking around in my clumpy I shoes. I had the washing with me. Oh, they the were shirts. classic anecdotes, Rick. Don't worry. Yeah, you got it. I know you. You look worried. He tells the story again in a later episode, there we go. and it comes back when he was at university. Which is uh, something that does happen. It does pop up. Some of the stories do kind of circle back around. Did you ever have that on your show or your experience in radio? Well, see, where, that's, where you'd get into a story and go, I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm told a this. huge fan of that. There's this uh, thing in radio now where people think that everyone listens to every minute and then once it's done, it's you know, gone forever. But... I don't think that represents reality. When you catch up with friends, you've told your greatest stories a hundred times. And so, I'm a big fan of that. Keep, if they're your best stories, tell them 50 times. Yeah. If you do something really good in the first hour of your show, play it at the end of your second hour. I used to do late night radio. So, sometimes we'd go to 1am and we'd tell stories at 10 to 1. And then our boss would be like, well, that's, you know, you can't do that anymore. Like, that's done. Because I'm like, oh, maybe we could do some more with that story. And they'd be like, no, well, you already talked about it. I'm like, yeah, 10 to 1 in the morning. I'm like, surely we can get a bit more out of that. Maybe what we can do at some stage is put on the hat of, like, how would the bosses that we don't agree with critique some of these these radio shows? Do you know what I mean? Because I feel like I have a little more leeway towards breaking some of the quote-unquote rules, which, you know, this show does a lot of yeah but i feel like i had a few stickler bosses over the time that wouldn't be very happy with a few of the things they're up to that kind of does happen later they get a feedback session from a guy named dr fox who's a very well-known radio and he was one of the this lore is so detailed (laughs) look at the background that you know all these characters i have to learn he was a judge on pop idol Uh, and Ricky does a does an impersonation of it, or does this has this character version called Doctor Frog, uh, where Doctor Fox they get him on to give him for him to give them feedback on their show because they miss out on an award. Like this is years later, and the way he's describing is like, well, you know, this is why this is why your show's not very good. It just sound, it sounded like any radio boss, but like doing saying what you would do because you would never encourage someone to do. A show like this, and that's what makes it so rare. Hmm. Is well, that, that's like, what I don't think any of these bosses realise. The reason people are listening to this twenty years on is because it had some type of personality to it, some type of image, you know, some type of they were breaking some rules and they were it had some uh, character. Whereas, yeah. like, if everyone's doing the same thing, it's not very memorable. But it's so much harder to capture something like this, like something like. The Ricky Gervais show, like, it's such lightning in a bottle, all these things. Like, even if it was just this show, but not Carl, if they just had some no, that's what you know, my first impression. Person. My first impression of the first show is the Carl moments shine bright like a diamond. And it's very obvious from there that that's where the gold's going to be. I'm excited to see how that develops. To be completely honest with you, 
And I'm not sure if this will upset you. I'm not the biggest fan of the stuff that doesn't have Carl in it. It's okay. No, it's fine. No, 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 it's not. Yeah. It's not. But that's just, not where the goal it, is. When Carl comes in, that stuff I've never heard before. Exactly. The, in this episode, he has a crack at Stephen Merchant, and he says, um, "He says, do you worry that when you are old, you'll be on your own?" <laughs> Like, He's done you again. <laughs> yeah. But the, the the genuine nature of the relationship between Carl and Stephen, I don't think that they're comfortable with each other. No, no. I don't think that these people are people who know what's okay to joke about around each other. It seems And Carl is clear is so clearly not getting the vibe that Steve is trying no. to project. Well, He's like a cornered cat, and he's and he's lashing out, out at perceived. Well, it seems threats. like that it's um an insult. He, he it seems like that that was genuinely awkward, and I was disappointed that they played a song. They go, it gets really really awkward, yeah. and they play a song to get out of it, and then they don't really reference it anymore. And I thought, oh, I wish they had sat in that awkwardness a bit more. But I don't think any of them really knew the relationships yet you know how far they could push carl and even i think it's in this episode they're kind of asking him yeah i think it's that story they ask him you know how long have you been with your partner yeah. how did you meet so these are sort you of know it might be a romantic story th- well it's not <laughs> these, it's are, carl, come on. these are the types of things you'd ask people you know you'd think in your first kind yeah. of yeah you know your first social encounter with each other so the relationship seems very fresh and carl also seems quite reserved in his opinion even, you know, like he doesn't know when he's allowed to talk and yeah. how much he should talk. And he's kind of trying to push the emphasis off him all the time. And you'll see it like, you'll see the development over the, over the weeks and months of the show. And that is what is part of what is so delightful is you hear just genuine reaction when Carl opens his mouth, genuine shock and surprise. And that's so rare. That's probably the thing that separates this show it's so rare in radio, you know, it seems like that it's probably been the same for the last 20 years. How many situations are contrived? And you can see, actually, it's interesting in this episode, they have some people come in who take photos for them for what is, seems to be the Stations magazine. Which, which that I'm sure is something from a bygone era. Such a, 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 a time and place thing. Well, they even say they're taking photos and Ricky says they've just shown me the Polaroid they do to, to test kind of the um, the framing, I guess. And so that indicates that they were shooting on film cameras. I, I guess 2001, you were. Yeah. And so even that Certainly is a incredible. Big, like, uh, yeah, a big SLR. Uh, SLR. And so, uh, but during that, when the boys, you know, Ricky and Steve don't seem to know what the, what the magazine is, uh, Carl gets upset. Because it sounds like they're doing a radio ad. Because Stephen yeah, you know, is going, like well, what's this? What's, yeah, yeah, what's yeah. this magazine? You know, tell me a bit more about it. Oh, so it sounds like a good magazine, does it? And Carl kind of goes, oh, it sounds like you're doing one of those bad radio ads. You're really selling it, Carl. You're obviously a fan of the magazine. It's all right. Yeah. I don't want to make it... It, it... This seems now like you've said, let's pretend we don't know what it is. You sell it on air, make it sound... I like don't it. know what it is. Well, I'll show you later. Okay, cool. Those bad radio ads still exist. You know, that's half of what radio is... Today And so it's interesting that, firstly, that was the same 20 years ago, but also that Carl, I've wondered before, because I'm a huge fan of Carl Bullington, I've, in the sense that I've watched An Idiot Abroad and... Um, Have you watched Sick of It? His 
No, no, I haven't seen that. I haven't he, seen that. I've seen the ones that he does, you know, where he's playing himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Moaning of Life. Uh, Moaning of Life yeah. was the other one. But the, you know, I've always wondered what was his radio knowledge like and what was his commitment to radio? But well, it he, does seem that he has an idea of radio that he likes and that he is striving. He doesn't seem to be a passive passenger in his idea of radio. He seems that he, he knew the type of radio he liked and he didn't want to make radio that was contrived. Um, yeah, well, he, he, at this point was like one of the, the head of audio. So he was making all of the, all of the imaging for the station. I know he had, has worked as a producer. Uh, Christian O'Connell was the breakfast show at the time. And he's now doing a breakfast radio show in Australia, in Melbourne. And, um, I was in touch with his co-host Jack, uh, who told me that, uh, Carl was Christian's producer for a little while. So he obviously he knows radio and, and um um but yeah but like don't don't you think the um hearing Carl being so unpredictable and maybe it was just cuz it was a Saturday afternoon show also Ricky Gervais star was rising at this point and can basically well I'm going to do whatever I want. Also happens to be XFM where their whole remit was to be edgy and an edgy rock station. But I feel like now you get someone on air who's not an on air, who's not on the show to be on air, who starts saying things that are out of the box. That would just get stamped down. Also, I think anyone who Carl doesn't seem like he wants to be on air. I don't think you'd find at this point. I don't think you'd find that person these days within radio walls because I think particularly with the rise of social media, it's become. It's so much more of a thing to have your own voice and make your own content. And someone, I think most people who are around uh, uh, the on-air team probably have some type of ambition or some type of thought that they would like to be on air. But Carl seems to be actively pushing away from it, which is makes for a really good dynamic. It's also an interesting dynamic. Uh, what's your assessment of where they all sit in relation to each other? Because my guess is that even in the way the show's back announced. So, Ricky goes, it's the Ricky Javert show. And Stephen Merchant goes, with Stephen Merchant? <laughs> like, Ricky won't <laughs> even Merchant. say his name. Yeah. I'm like, guys, it sounds like that Stephen's like the little kid who's tagging along a little bit, that- who hasn't been invited completely, that mum said, oh, why don't you go play with uh, Ricky? I spoke <laughs> to his mum. Um, and then it seems like, and that's why I think Carl and Stephen go at each other. But Ricky seems, the funny thing is, as it plays out in the end, I think Ricky would have, copped the most heat historically for how mean he was to Carl. But in the early days, at least now, Carl seems quite happy with Ricky. He seems to have a real problem with Stephen. And it's like it's kind of like that uh, Ricky's the captain or the parent, and these guys are the kids who are fighting with each other, and I would say jostling for position in this hierarchy. Oh, interesting. That uh, the reason I love these early shows so much is because Ricky is he, he responds with delight and surprise whenever Carl says something just completely bizarre. But, but then it evolves into him just saying, calling him a round-headed twat, <laughs> head like a fucking orange. Well, you know, in this first just, one, he does make a comment about his physical. Yeah, because Carl says, "Well, I look kind of normal," and Ricky goes, "Yeah, kind of." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, that's. But, but but that's I like I like it when it was nicer like you know in the early days it's nicer in uh, in the later episodes he just he just be, starts 
just calling him names and and but still obviously from a a, a place of endearing love but I don't know, maybe not. Like, yeah, they well, they haven't worked together for That's over the thing, a you know, a lot of radio shows, um, I've heard it described as play fighting. Yeah. And, you know, where you, it's banter. You, yeah. But you know each other and you know the boundaries and you know what people are roughly okay joking about. But when, when Stephen and Carl are talking to each other, I'm like, oh, this feels genuinely awkward. But that's what's, it's kind of exciting. <laughs> yeah, and that's what I, th- I, I don't, the best planned piece of content cannot compete with amazing chemistry. No, but also what happens is Carl will come in and he'll just say something totally left of field, like off topic. You yeah. know, that when he goes well, after Stephen's loneliness, I mean, they're kind <laughs> of talking about that, but they're not really but talking about it. it was like a it. conversation before they went off. Yeah. He's just been thinking yeah. about it and decided that was a good moment to bring it up. Um, I, I just, I, I wanted to relate publicly to what Steve said when they were taking the photos. And he says, oh, get me, get me from the front. I'm all right from the front, not from the, the side. And Ricky talks about like, oh, just it takes mirrors and photos for him to go, oh, yeah, that's what I look like. I just so deeply relate to that feeling of like the difference between how I think I look and then how I actually look in photos. Do you get any of that? I've made, you know, I've made a lot of videos over the years. So you've gotten you know, very, it's like you know, probably 10 when years you start now. In radio, you're like, that's my voice. Yeah, but then exactly. eventually you get used to it. So I've probably, I'm pretty used to how I look. Okay. So it's not, it's not a surprise to me. No, okay. <laughs> um, One thing I wanted to get your thoughts on yeah. is I don't know what Ricky's persona is at this stage because when he gets photos taken by, uh, you know, the people for this magazine, he's, I don't know what he says. He says something and then he said, oh, no, I've offended them. People taking our photographs, which I'm not happy with, no, I'll be honest. honest. I'm going to have someone. I know you've, I'm I mean, only joking. He stopped. I was, I was only joking. Oh, I've offended someone. Which I don't like to do. And I thought, man, that kind of is your thing. Yeah. Like he's, you know, I'm sure he wouldn't describe himself as someone who offends people. But, you know, I saw an Oscars clip come up the other day of him. Golden Globes. Golden Globes roasting the uh, everyone in the audience. And I thought, like, Ricky, I think the common person would describe him as offending people. Yeah. And isn't it like, isn't that an often, isn't Ricky Gervais often quoted when comedy people will say, like, you know, you should be able to make jokes about anything. Yeah. And his latest comedy special was all about what should and shouldn't be offensive. Like, he's the arbiter of what is, uh, what is and isn't offensive. His persona, public persona, has changed so much. I now cannot really stand him. I cannot stand a afterlife. I know some people like it. Well, a lot of people like it. Um, Derek could not handle it. Like, I, he, he's just lost what was so appealing and endearing. And you hear it in these early episodes. Like, with that, you say, like, I don't want to offend people. He was, he just had this, like, I don't know. It's like, he's just this humble, like, and he's embarrassed about people asking him for autographs. And he's um, uh, just more gracious, I think, is what it is. But I don't know. I need to process my feelings on that a bit more. But I just couldn't, you could not have had a bigger fan than, I, than me. I used to read his um, blog every day which he started when he was making the invention of lying which was a real the real start of the decline um, <laughs> but it was so good because it was such an insight and he would take photos from the set and all the stuff and it was all this archival stuff and it was just the best but he's just he's become 
it's become just like so unpleasant uh, to me. Um, but yeah, well, I think I, it's particularly hard to be. I've you know people people are so critical of people who are one hit wonders. And I'm like, you know, whether it's in music or film or whatever, and I'm like, you know how hard it is to but be something once. No, 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 no. But this, is, no, but this is what I'm saying is like, do you, he he would be an example of how hard it is to do multiple hits. Yeah, is the sense of like, you know, you're saying that his persona has changed or whatever. Well, you can't stay the same. You know, I don't know if he's evolved because artistically, because he wanted to do new things, or I don't know if earning a lot of money changed him. I don't know what it is, but I, th- I think it probably is uh, a byproduct of making things for 20 years and yeah. trying to find new Looking things thing, and new things to say. Maybe, you know, maybe getting new perspectives when you're in a different tax bracket. Also, get uh, no longer working with Steve Merchant. You yeah. really see the, the quality drop off. Do you think uh, so? <laughs> To me, personally, my opinion, yes. Yeah, yeah. But but the original series of The Office is just a masterpiece from start to finish, I think. These shows, Extras is very good. The the Christmas special of Extras is is, uh, just a really wonderful hour and a bit of television. And then to to create, essentially, Carl Pilkington, and he, he is like one of the founders... Of pod, like he was doing podcasts in two thousand and six. It's like those three things alone put him in the hall of fame. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, no, I <laughs> I want to keep things keep it positive. I won't focus. So I think some themes that have come out in the last thirty minutes is that you, you might go too far in your love of Ricky Gervais on this podcast, and I might go too far in my disdain for radio. <laughs> That Maybe. might be. That we'll might see. be. We'll that track. might be some common themes. We'll track how that how that evolves over the weeks. Uh, I do want to track. Speaking of tracking, there are key phrases that come up because early on, as particularly, they only see Carl in this like window of time on a Saturday afternoon. Yeah, so their relationship is a. We are hearing it yeah. evolve. Yeah. So there are key phrases that mark that like that. I feel like a little um, flags that point to like key moments in the evolution of their relationship. Mm-hmm. So I want to keep track of them. So the first, the one that I heard in this uh, episode was the way that Ricky describes Carl as... But I look normal. Well, yeah, you sort of do. But you could be one of those that just suddenly go mental with a pen. Yeah, do you know just what I mean? stab people through the eyes. Yeah, yeah, you sort of look normal. But if I, I wouldn't really want to wind you up to a point of frenzy. Which the irony, if you listen to the rest of the episodes, he that becomes... What he does, winding you up to the point of frenzy constantly. But there's just much more of like a careful feeling out in these early, early episodes. Just some of the stuff I can't really believe they're saying to each other. <laughs> like, you know, it's one thing if I knew that they knew each other and I'd be like, oh, they're friends. It's just banter. But I'm like, oh, it doesn't seem like they're too comfortable with this. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, <laughs> And that's why I love it. Uh, favorite part? Do you have a favorite part of the episode? Oh, this is a uh, my favorite part segment. by far was Carl asking if Stephen <laughs> is afraid of being lonely. And do you worry that when you're old, you will be on your own? <laughs> you did start it though, didn't you? Just the genuineness of that question, and there did seem to and be just a how, tiny how bit of inappropriate is to ask. There that did seem that to moment. be. It did seem to be. <laughs> a tiny bit of spite in it as well. Yeah. I think he did want to 
uh, not offend him, but like, you know, he, I did think uh, he, that was his return barb. And it reminded me of someone who's not quite equipped to hold the weapon. And so he's coming in uh, with this high powered machinery and he's kind of spraying bullets everywhere. And it's like, <laughs> whereas like Ricky and Steve, you know, they've, yeah, they've nice. used this a few times. <laughs> whereas, you know, Carl, it's like, whoa, too much, man. <laughs> like, yeah. like, pull it back. All right, I love the the riff about Schindler's Lift. Like yeah. in the bottom of the lift, it always says Schindler. It's always made by some organisation called Schindler. Do you think it's the same Schindler, like from Schindler's List? So it's Schindler's Lift. <laughs> Schindler's Lift. And it was passed down wrong. No, I didn't make a list. Yeah. <laughs> I, made, I made lifts. <laughs> yeah, You're I, joking. I Spielberg was going, I've made a whole film about it. was three hours, it was in black and white, for God's sake. Was it, what, where'd you get the lifts? There was no lifts in it. I thought it was a list you made. <laughs> No, I made lifts. Well, what was interesting about it as well, from a radio perspective, is they come back to Schindler's lifts a couple of times. Uh, yeah, yeah. Whereas, like, uh, you know, these days, the your universe begins when the song ends and ends when the next song plays. And that, is, you should never acknowledge something that happened earlier in the show. You should never have running jokes because people are so afraid of people uh, not understanding what's happening. But these guys, they'll keep talking about Schindler's Lift, uh, seemingly maybe 20, 30 minutes apart. Yeah. All right, that's it. Carly Pilt Boys Season 1. We'll be back next week with uh, Episode 2 of Season 1. See you then. Thanks, Zach. Bye. Bye. I don't like moaning anyway, just... (laughs)